0: Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? morning. Praise God. Isn't it so awesome to come together and worship God together? I look forward to these times of worship. Can we just thank our worship band and Eldon for leading this morning? (laughs) Team, you did great. And um, anytime I get an opportunity to share with you, I always want to say what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to be here and to be able to share some things I feel God has put on my heart. And a lot of this comes out of the overflow of what God is speaking to me. So before I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. And um, you get a glimpse not only of uh, what I want to share, but also into what God has been doing in my life as of late. And I think it's important to have these moments of reflection to not just be moving forward at such a rapid pace, but to take moments to pause and to look back and say, wait a second, what have we just gone through here? You know, Pastor Jeff, uh, we are so blessed by your messages from week to week. Are you blessed by his messages from week to week? And Pastor Jeff works very hard at his messages. I know because i'm i 'm here at all hours of the day i I live here and uh, and I see him and how hard he works on on preparing his messages for for all of us and um, it would be a shame just to hear a message and and you know absorb that and then just move on without ever thinking about it again and that 's one of the reasons why small groups in particular the sermon based groups are really important because it gives us that other opportunity. During the week, to revisit the sermon, to revisit the notes and the questions that are provided each week. And so, if you are interested at all in uh, attending a group, there's a sign-up sheet, and uh, we have a series of eight weeks. It's not an indefinite period. If you want to try out uh, a group for five or six weeks or this next eight-week session, it'll finish, this eight-week session will finish on the week of Father's Day, and then we break for the summer and then come back in Uh, the fall. So if you're a bit timid or not sure, hey, I don't want to commit to something forever and ever, don't worry. This is a great opportunity to try out groups and to see how it fits in your life. It's important for us to know that groups are not um, meant to just be something that we tack on to our lives because we all have so much going on in our lives. And you say, oh, it's just one more thing for me to do. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is That we would come together and fellowship and connect and it would be pouring into our lives. It would be refreshing. It would be a place to recharge, a place to be fed, a place to receive. And that mutual being in community, looking at the scriptures in community and sharing, that's what builds us up. That's what edifies us. Discipleship in the Bible is not meant to be alone. Did you know that? We talk about discipleship and how's your discipleship going, and often that carries with it this sort of individual sense to it. But that's not what the Bible presents to us at all. Discipleship is meant to be within community. And so we encourage that, for you to, for you to partake in that. Now, coming back to the thought about reflecting what's happened, I just wanted to share with you uh, and, and take a little bit of a time travel back to the start of the year and how we kicked off uh, 2019. The first message of the year on January 6th, anyone remember the title? You will get 100 bunny stickers if you get this. Unless they're backordered, then I can't get you anything. But it was just a crumb, just a crumb. Do you remember that message? Someone got it? Okay, 100 bunny stickers. I got Amazon Prime, so they should ship real fast. They should be here in no time. And we had this kind of little bit of a just series. Remember that for God, the the big mountains, the big things that we think are, are not possible, not overcomable, you say, well, that's a made-up word. Listen, all words are made up. Okay, all words are made up. It's just a crumb to God, amen? The following week was just say the word. Just one thing. Just one thing is necessary. Remember that story of, Mary and Martha. Just one thing. Just believe. Just believe. And then on February 10th, we were talking about the call to be small. Do you remember that? The call to be small. And that put us in a position where we were launching our small group ministry. And the Lord has just opened the door. And the floodgates are open in terms of small group ministry. And so much so that our groups are filling up. And we need more hosts, as Pastor mentioned. We need more Uh, leaders for that, and uh, just a word about leading a small group. You don't have to have a seminary degree to lead a group. If you know how to open your door and put on a pot of coffee, you qualify. Because all of the sermon notes are there. All of the questions are already provided for you. So, yes, it helps if you have some extra knowledge, but it's not about you teaching the group it's just about you providing an environment where discussion can be facilitated and we're all growing together not nobody has all the answers so don't be timid about that if you say you know what maybe I feel in this next season maybe for these eight weeks or maybe in the fall I'd I'd like to put my name down for hosting a group or facilitating group discussions from week to week please get in contact with me or Blaine and uh, we'd be happy to meet with you and, and see how we can set that up amen the call to be small. And then we moved into our four weeks in the book of Titus. Yes, Titus. And the introduction in week two was called The Real Thing. The Real Thing. That God is looking for the real thing, not Coca Cola. We're talking about real leaders. And that's the commission that Titus had from Paul. Week three was His grace has been revealed. His grace has been revealed. That was on March 3rd. On March 10th, Pastor Jeff closed out the series with a message on right living. And that's what really the book of Titus is about. It's about right living. And in in so doing, we are a light to the darkness. We are salt to the earth. And that testimony uh, paired with right living is what is effective in reaching people in your sphere of influence, wherever you find yourself. March 17th, Pastor Lori taught on God's Word, God's presence, and God's power. How many remember that? And then we had a few weeks on the subject of money. And the first message was called on March 24th, When You Give. And the second one was How to Handle Money. How many of you benefited from that message? I'm just going through the titles of the sermons that we've, we've crossed through this year because I think it's important that we don't just again, quickly move through things and not really allow these teachings to resonate. We're praying on our hands and knees every week for a message from God for your life and for our lives that will bless the church here, the community, and that will build you up and strengthen you. And we believe that this is God's word for our church and that every week we can come here knowing that his word will be preached, that his name will be lifted up. In worship, and that his truth will be exalted in our midst. Amen? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. And so you were challenged to reflect the kingdom of God in terms of finances. And you were challenged to think about money in a different way. April 7th was a devoted life, there was kind of a pre Easter. Series on April Fourteenth, when uh, Pastor Jeff talked about when Jesus came to town, sounds like a Christmas song. But I didn't want to tell him that because I didn't want to discourage him. But it, it was fun, and he still likes it. And and then on, on on last week, the message was, "It is finished. It is finished." Those are powerful words. Today, we're talking about the aftermath of Easter. And how Easter was so impactful to our very lives. And in fact, this changes everything. Amen? You say, how does it change everything? We're going to get into it. But this changes everything. Jesus declaring that it is finished changes everything. And uh, next week, Pastor Stefan will lead us. And on Mother's Day, May 12th, we'll have the Garrets. And then we'll be moving into, I'm just giving you a glimpse of where we're going, okay? We're going into a four-week series on prayer. And that will culminate in a week of prayer beginning June 2nd. And will end on June 9th, which is Pentecost Sunday. So there's more details and information to come about that. But just to give you a little bit of a glimpse of where we're heading as a church, I want to read to you again the verse from John 19, uh, that was quoted last week. In verse 30, we read this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, say it with me, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Lord, because of what you have accomplished, this changes everything. Help us. Lord, to abide and remain in your finished work. Help us to live as we should, empowered by your Spirit to be the salt to a perishing world and the light to this present darkness. Because you deserve all the glory and dominion and praise. If you agree, say amen. Point number one, we are called to to live differently. Is that news? We are not called just to live normal lives and just tack on some pseudo form of spirituality. We are called to be distinct. We are called to live differently. You are called to live differently. I don't know where you are today in your in your walk with the Lord, and you may be uh, new uh, in your relationship with Jesus, and you're discovering a whole lot of things. You may have been coming to church your whole life. It doesn't matter. What's true for you is true for all of us. We are together called to live differently. What does that mean? What does it mean? To live differently. Let's take a look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9. And we'll read till verse 12. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As followers of Christ, we have one Father who is in heaven, and great is his name. This one Father of ours has a kingdom. And our prayers petition that this kingdom be established here on the earth. That the will of God be accomplished, not only in heaven, but here on the earth. Our provision comes from him. Our standing because of him. Our task to pay it forward. To forgive others out of a deep sense of gratitude and grace. And to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, even in the midst of trial, temptation, and difficulty, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the Alpha and Omega of our faith. Amen. Sisters and brothers, we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about the rapper from 10 years ago, the A-M-B-A-S-S-A-D-O-R. Anybody? Okay. Shout out. Stefan, you got me, right? Okay. Not today. This means that our lives need to reflect the reality of the kingdom of God. And our ability to reflect the kingdom of God is only possible because of the finished work of Christ who died and rose again. You see, we can't do this in our own strength and, and, and ability and capacity. We need the Holy Spirit of God. Otherwise, why did Jesus send the Spirit? It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. We need to live empowered by the Spirit of God. We can't live as Jesus lived in our own strength. It's not possible. If it was possible, why did Jesus come? He came because it was not possible for us, but all things are possible with God. In his classic book called The Call, Os Guinness wrote that God's call makes the world an entirely different place and life. A completely different project for all who listen to that call and for all who are committed to follow the caller until that great day when listening gives way to seeing and faith to knowing in its fullest reality. Oz is saying that the calling that we have as Christians makes the world a different place. And our lives are a different project. This means that in terms of our time, our talent, and our treasure, our goals are different. These are the specifics. This means that, as mentioned a few weeks ago, Pastor Jeff taught us how to handle money in light of the kingdom. That in terms of finances, our lives reflect the reality of the kingdom of God. Amen? That's why we're called to do it. So that by doing it, we are a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony of the reality of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense for you? Let me tell you a little story about uh, prior to my entrance into uh, full-time ministry, I was working for a major telecommunications uh, firm in Canada. You would know them. Um, And I was working in the offices and uh some of the office staff especially the ones sat around me they knew i was christian and uh they knew i went to church and uh, and one of the guys he he struck up a conversation with me one day and it was very interesting because you know he was he was trying to buy a house and he was uh, talking about his finances with his family and he was getting married and and doing all these things and and uh you know he he talked to me he's like hey jordan i was like hey he was an Italian guy. That's why he was talking like that. I'm trying to do his voice a little bit. His name was Moreno. A good friend of mine. And he asked me, he's like, you go to church, right? And I said, yeah. He says, and do you give money? And I was like, Well, wow, that's a, kind of a personal question. You know, I said, sure. And he goes, you know, I hear that some people give 10% of their gross earnings. And I go, "Yes, Reno, that's that's true." He goes, "That's crazy." That's insane. What was he what was he communicating to me? And then I could see the wheels turning in his head. And he's like, "Hold on a second. We're in Quebec. This is our tax rate." I can see all this mathematics happening in his head. He's like, That's like 30% of what you you get. I'm like, yep, that's the math. That's what it works out. He goes, that's crazy. Is anybody here? What was he communicating to me? That just talking about a simple thing like finances, he could not fathom a worldview that incorporated this behavior. He could not understand. He could not grasp it. I could not convey to him why this was important or, you know, what we're trying to do. It just it was, it was outside of the box that he was thinking in at the time. Have you ever had a situation like that where you tried to communicate something that you do as a Christian in order to reflect the kingdom of God? And people say, I can't understand why you're doing that. I can't understand why you're coming to church, waking up early on Sunday morning. It's the best time to sleep in. I don't understand that. Has that that been anybody's experience? Where you've done something, you've gone out of your way. Let me tell you something. When you begin to walk in the call of God, God is going to call you to do some things that to the outside world is going to look like they're not going to be able to understand it. This is how we are salt and light in this world. Reflecting the reality of the kingdom of God not only impacts how we handle money, but it also impacts how we handle our talents, how we handle our calling, how we handle our vocation. Let me tell you another story. You know, I was sharing um, with a relative who's not Christian and um, lives here in Toronto. He's a very successful lawyer, and, you know, I was telling him about my sense of calling to the vocation that I have, to be a pastor and to be a military chaplain, and he couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand why I would go and do that. Like, for him, the bottom line is how much dollars and cents is it going to bring in? And I couldn't really convey to him that the vocations we have in life and the callings we have as Christians are not based only in in money. Has that been your experience as well? Have you been challenged that way? And someone says, why are you pursuing that? And he drove around Stouffville and he was like, you know, Jordan, we could start a business. You know? He's like, they probably need another Montessori school in Stouffville. And Look, look how nice the Montessori school building is in Stovall. It's so nice. That's the premier building in town, he said. He said, You're sitting on a gold mine. This was all by text. I just couldn't get through to him that you have, have no calling towards doing that, right? He doesn't understand calling because as soon as you accept an understanding of calling, you have to admit that there's a caller. So reflecting the reality of the kingdom of God not only impacts how we handle our money, not only our talents, our gifts, and our calling, but also, and this is the one that we're really going to zone in on today, but the kingdom of God, reflecting the reality of the kingdom of God, impacts how we manage our time. We manage our time. Let me ask you a very transparent question. How many of you, on a regular basis, feel overwhelmed with how busy you are? Thank you. Thank you. How many of you feel like you have more to do in a day than there is day to do it? Just raise your hand. Thank you. How many of you, when someone comes to you with something and it, you know that it's really going to eat up your time, hello, I need your help, you have trouble saying no. If You have trouble saying no to people. And we live with the tension, right? Because as Christians, we want to be open to who the Spirit of God is bringing into our life. But at the same time, we got stuff to do, right?
1: Watch this video. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. No thanks, I'm good. I'll pass. One of my personal favorites. For sure, though. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you got saved, you got eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and access to a whole long list of ways to say no that'll make you sound like way more spiritual of a person than you actually are. I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. I'm feeling led in a different direction. Let me talk to my pastor about that. It's a closed door. I'm waiting on the Lord right now. I just don't feel peace about it right now. God has a different assignment for me. I just didn't feel prompted. I just don't feel like that's something that Jesus would do. But I just feel like I'm not in that season anymore. Can you help me move this weekend? Normally I would, but I just feel like God is just telling me to rest right now. I just got a sense that it didn't line up. Right now I'm in a season of new wineskins. What does that even mean? I just feel like right now I'm in a season of creating margin and I just don't have the bandwidth. Are you even speaking English right now? I was just asking if you wanted to get a pizza. Prompting. How many times have I told you about the prompting? I'm not feeling the prompting. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling the spirits leading on this one. Mm, You know what? I'm not sure. Let me lay out a fleece on that one. (laughs) Okay, I don't think anyone says that. And of course, everybody's all-time favorite, let me pray about it. All I'm saying is when it comes to Christian ways of saying no, just say no. Just say no.
0: It's hard to say no when you're unclear about your calling. But when you know and are clear about your calling, then you can understand where it is to push back. And by doing so, you're not hurting someone. I, I want to make that clear. You're not, you're not injuring them. But instead, you're being obedient to what you know you need to be about. There's times where Jesus said no. And there's times he said yes. But he knew what he was called to do. And we need to walk in the clarity of our calling in order to be able to say no, sometimes to ourselves. Amen? So if that's you, there are two words that I like to use in counseling situations. I sit down with a person, and they'll describe the behavior they're doing. And then I say these two words, and that usually helps. And, um... The counseling session is usually over at that point. I, I, I lean over after they tell me the behavior that they're doing that's negative, And I, I lean over and I, I look at them in the eye and I say, stop it. Stop it. That's basically it. You can use that. Let me say a word about boundaries. We are called to support each other. We have those verses in the New Testament that talk about carrying one another's burdens, supporting one another, right? And from time to time, we are called to do that. But that doesn't mean that we are called to completely rob someone from the blessings of the burden. Does that make sense? Challenges and burdens are intended for us to grow. I think all of us here, if you could, you can imagine this analogy. There's a difference between carrying a load, like a burden, and carrying a knapsack. All of us have knapsacks. And all of us have burdens from time to time. And I may come alongside my brother or my sister and help lift that burden. Even Jesus got help carrying the cross. Okay? I hope that doesn't offend anybody that 's what the scripture shows and and that 's comforting to me because I know that if Jesus needed help carrying the cross, I need help too from time to time, carrying my own cross, carrying my own burdens, carrying my own challenges, but that doesn 't mean that someone should just come along and ride in on a white horse and remove all my burdens because those burdens are for me to learn and grow. I have two young sons and if I, as a, as a father, just removed all of the challenge from them, how would they ever grow? How would they ever grow? And so by pushing back on, on things and learning how to say no and discerning the tension that we have between helping others and following our own calling, That's basically what will help us as we move forward. Because our time is limited. Our boundaries need to be set. Why? Because as human beings, we're limited. We're limited in knowledge, wisdom, energy, capacity, and time. We're limited in all these things, which is why we need boundaries in all these things. We need boundaries to safeguard us in, in who we are as individuals and to safeguard other people. But... The truth is that burnout is is at an all-time high. Exhaustion is rampant. Everyone is busy all the time. And technology hasn't helped us out. We've become more and more connected through technology, social media. We have lost the white space in our life. Do you know what I mean by white space? It's that space where, uh, like, if you go home from work, you know that you're done for the day, right? Right? And you have that margin in your life. You have that space in your life. We all need that. That's healthy space. And we're called to live differently. We're called not to rush. It's possible that you are doing things today that you are not called to do. Do you think that God, who knows all of these limitations about us, He knows our limitations in our time, energy, focus, ability, and knowledge. Do you think that God would then call us to achieve his plan for our lives in our own strength and in our own ability? I want everyone here just to take a moment and understand my heart towards you in this. Receive the grace of God this morning. Over your time. Receive and abide in the love of God. And say this with me. It is finished. It is finished. Amen. We live and move and have our being. And we we have a platform for our lives today. And we move forward from a place of the finished work. Jesus from the cross said it was finished. Brothers and sisters, he conquered death. He conquered it. He conquered death. That's a great place to shout amen. He conquered death. Amen. We, what are we striving towards? What are we exhausted about? What are we rushing towards? As I say these words right now, are you wondering, hey, when am I going to be done? Because I've got 17 other things I need to get done today. And those could be good things. Lunch is a good thing. Other things are good. Have you so filled your life with busyness that even coming to church is is more just like a chore instead of a place where we can gather like this and have a moment together where we're truly and honestly reflecting about our days and our lives and what God is speaking to us? this is a sacred space. Not that this building is sacred, but as we gather together, this becomes holy ground. Is anyone rushing to go? Do you know the other place where we won't rush anymore? In heaven. Right? Rushing will cease. So when we come together into this holy ground space with a heart that doesn't rush, we are entering into that eternal state. We are taking part of the the reality of the kingdom right here and now because of the way our hearts are set towards our time. Amen? Don't worry, I'm going to have you out of here soon. Are you doing too much Do you need the assurance, peace, and rest of God today on your life? If that's you, just raise your hand. Just say, I need the rest of God. I am overwhelmed. I am tapped out. I am close to burning out. I've got too much going on, and I just need a place where I can release this tension and walk in God's rest. There's another place in the scriptures where it talks about the finished work, and that is when God talks about the Sabbath and the story of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, it says this Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Say, it is finished. He had been doing. So on that day, he rested. From all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because on that day he rested from all the work of creation that he had accomplished. God rested on the seventh day. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that man was created in the image of God on the sixth day. And the pinnacle of God's creation to which he observed, God observed all that he had made and said it was very good. And God gave men and women a charge. In chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that that crawls upon the earth. The Sabbath was the seventh day for God's creation. But for man, it was man's first full day. So what's the lesson here? For us, Sabbath is first in terms of time. I was discussing this with Pastor Jeff a few weeks ago. And uh, after thinking about it, he said this. And I'm quoting and I'm giving credit. Okay. He said, we don't Sabbath to rest from our work. We Sabbath in order to do our work well. That's good stuff. (laughs) The Sabbath is, yeah, it's great. The Sabbath is the foundation for our work, our calling, our vocation. It is the ground from which we move from. It is the platform from which we launch our endeavors. Additionally, the Sabbath is the fourth of ten commandments. In Exodus 20, it says this in verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on which you must not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant or livestock, nor the foreigner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Church, we are called to live differently with our money, with our calling, and with our time. And in so doing, in living differently, we are called to reflect the kingdom of God, and that affects how we manage and govern our time. The Sabbath was serious business. Look how important the Sabbath is and, and was for God's people. In Exodus 31, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, Surely you must observe my Sabbaths, and for this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it must surely be put to death. Wow. Whoever does work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days, work may be done, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must surely be put to death. And the interesting part for us here is the part where it talks about that this will be a sign between me and you for generations. In another version, it talks about it being a perpetual covenant. We don't abandon the Sabbath because we're post-Easter. We have a different perspective of it, but we still need it. The Sabbath was meant to be a perpetual covenant kept by God's people. The Sabbath is a solemn rest, a ceasing from our work. Let's take a look simply at what Jesus said about the Sabbath in Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. The Sabbath was given to us for our benefit. It was given to us for us. Again, it's not something that we are just tacking on to our lives. But it does mean that we need to be more diligent because it means that we need as much as possible to orient our lives in such a way that we can cease from our work at least one day a week. I don't know how you feel about it. For me, it doesn't really matter which day that is. As long as you do it, why? Because studies have shown that rest is so important. And more than that, it causes us to remind ourselves and reflect on the truth that we are not living unto ourselves. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just here to move forward and the days roll into weeks and the weeks into years and move forward without reflecting on the truth that God is him who enables us to live and move and have our being, to have capacity, to be able to live the lives we live. Amen? It reminds us that we're dependent on him is what I'm trying to say. The Sabbath reminds us that our very lives depend on God. And each week it orients us and gives us a platform from which to walk in our calling. Amen? It's only when we cease that we are really able to hear, you know, Every day I'm, I'm working with my older son, and sometimes he he can't do something. He's trying to put a Lego together, and he can't figure it out. And He's just doing his work. He's building his rockets and robots and and, and whatever he's doing. He's got some creative imagination. It's, re- it's really uh, amazing. But he's just thinking, and he's getting so upset. It's not working. It's not working. I can't click this into that. It's not doing what I want to. He's sad because his robot doesn't keep his arms up. I'm like, it's not made for that. It's going to, f- you know, the robot... His arms fall down. There's nothing you can do about it. And But as long as he's pursuing that work, as long as he continues to, 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 to frustrate himself by not being able to accomplish what he wants to do, he can't hear me. I realize that. He can't hear me. And until we take a moment each week to stop and cease and say, okay, God, what are you saying? God, let me hear you in this place. Let me hear what you're saying. Am I going in the right direction? Am I doing things I'm not supposed to be doing? Am I taking on a, a, a purpose and a project that I'm really not, you don't want me to be engaged in? God, close those doors. Open the doors that you actually have for me. Let me walk in, in, in really where you're calling me so that I can walk according to your will. So that I could fi- fulfill the purpose and the plan that you have created for me by design. Unless we stop, we can't hear God. I I, I used to tell you jokingly, you know, the bathroom is the place where I hear God the most. You might find that funny. I find it funny too. I, I hate to admit it. But it's just because everything else is shut out. And in the place of peace is where we can hear that still small voice. Anybody else? We're going to close them and invite the band to come back. So, what's the point? You can just begin to play when you're ready. What I feel God wants me to communicate to you this morning is that he has called us to live differently but in particular today he's called you to rest in him. If you're that person who's just been so overwhelmed and so busy and you feel like you're burning out I want you to come to this altar today. Just so that we could just stand together And take a moment to pause and just pray and ask God for strength. And just ask God for his provision, for his renewed motivation, for his renewed perspective, for his just way of moving on us, of breathing on us afresh, filling us again. Because the days and the weeks are not getting easier look out into the world and I see hurt and brokenness and calamity and pain that I can't even wrap my head around. I have to just look away because it's so grievous what's going on. And that's where I find these words so comforting in Matthew 11. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. God, we are the weary. We are the burdened. We are the ones who need your rest today. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. That's his promise to you. That if you put God first own sake and take his yoke upon you you will find rest if you need rest today come to the front. I'll invite you now we're just gonna the team's gonna lead us in a song and we're gonna pray And I'll invite Pastor Jeff if he has any closing words for us and close us out in prayer Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Receive the rest of God today. Receive the peace of God today. Receive the love of God today. and Be refreshed in his name.